Hey guys, it's Tana, and you're listening to Oddity Potity Campfire Tales Edition. For a campfire tale today, I'm going to share with you a very personal story. If you've listened to previous episodes of this podcast, you can probably guess that I'm from the South. You might even be able to tell from my accent that the specific region is backwoods. I was once told by an officer of the law in my hometown that my maiden name is probable cause. (laughs) That's my dad's fault. Anyway, my brothers, aunts, uncles, and cousins, we all grew up in homes in the woods. And for the most part, it's pretty cool. We had rivers and creeks to swim and fish in and game to hunt and acres and acres of forest to explore. But that land once belonged to others. And sometimes their spirits were reluctant to share. I'm not going to lie, there were definitely some Blair Witch moments that gave me nightmares to this day. But we learned to share our space with those who lived on the land before us. The following episode is a true story about one of those spirits. He's reluctant to move on, and our families learn to live with him. So gather around the fire, and let me tell you about the one who we call Tall Man. Have you ever heard the Latin phrase caveat emptor? If not, I'm sure you're familiar with its loose English translation, buyer beware. Since the beginning of time, people have been burned by deals that were simply too good to be true, or deals that came with much more than what it was originally bargained for. Today, I'd like to share with you what happened when my cousin made the deal of a lifetime, and it came with an added bonus, a visitor that we call Tall Man. Fifteen years ago, My cousin made a sweet, sweet deal. She bought a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath house on 300 acres for next to nothing. The reason the price was next to nothing is because the property had been seized by the government. The reasons for the seizure have nothing to do with the story, so I'm not going to get into it. What is pertinent is the land that the home was built on. Like many homes in that area, countless Native Americans died and are buried in the earth beneath their concrete foundations. The area was once home to various tribes, including the Blackfoot and Choctaw, and arrowheads and stone axe blades are easily found during daily walks down the road or even just a stroll through the yard. The area is also the site where multiple Civil War battles took place. We found mini balls, which are hollow-based bullets that were used extensively during the Civil War, buried in the dirt in neighboring yards and land. I don't know if restless Native spirits are to blame for the paranormal activity on the property, Or if there's more than one lost soul wandering about. Maybe a departed Civil War soldier or three. I'm of the opinion that there's more than one, including the soul of perhaps what might be a Mennonite man as well. I say this based on, well, why don't I just tell you the story? My cousin, let's call her Charlotte, first encountered Tall Man pretty much immediately upon setting foot in her new home. After she won the auction for the land in the house, and waited many more months for the unraveling of the government red tape involved, she and her husband had set about the task of a major renovation before the house was livable. Perhaps this is what awakened the spirits, as shortly after they began their work, she was pulling up some old flooring, and she heard a noise in the hallway. When she looked up, she saw a very tall man walk out of a bedroom on one side of the hallway and into the bathroom on the other side. 
At first, she thought it was one of her husband's handymen who'd shown up to help with some work and had let himself in while she was out back. So she went to the bathroom to talk to him. But there was no one there or anywhere else in the house. Now, imagine sinking all the money you'd have into your dream home, only to learn that right away, you're going to be roomies with a ghost. Yeah. Charlotte knew what she'd seen, but she's also very practical. She was not about to be scared off by anything. So over the next few years, Tall Man made repeat appearances, and he was always in the hall near or around the bathroom. He never showed his face other than in profile, and he never did anything threatening. It was, however, mildly heart-stopping to randomly see a strange man moseying down the hall at any given time. Charlotte's young daughter, Maya, often caught Tall Man's reflection in her vanity mirror when her bedroom door was open. As Maya's eyes focused on her own face in the vanity mirror, her peripheral vision would catch the blur of a very tall man passing through the hallway. Also, tall man did not like it when Maya shut her bedroom door. Once, when she was sitting in bed, she watched in horror as her door unlatched itself and opened a few inches, paused, then creaked open a few more inches, paused again, and finally swung completely open, all on its own. But it wasn't just the people that lived in the house who were privy to tall man sightings. Numerous friends and family saw him, too. At one point, Charlotte's own mother refused to be in the house alone because she was so unnerved by the phantom. And, like the rest of us, was reluctant to go to the bathroom alone. The hallway bathroom that tall man loves is the one that's most used by visitors. It's one of those kind that has two doors. The first one that you walk through leads to sort of a powder room. It has the sink, towels, and all the bathroom supplies in it. And then behind the second door is the shower and toilet. So if you don't shut the first door, it's possible for someone to come into the powder room and wash their hands or something and not realize that you're using the toilet behind the second door. This is what happened to my uncle. He went to the bathroom and left the first door open, only shutting the door to the toilet. And as he sat on the pot, someone started viciously pounding on the door. He yelled for whomever was doing it to cut it out and stop pounding on the door, and the pounding did stop for a second. And then it started back so forcefully that he thought the door would come down. And he figured it was just one of his nephews being a jerk, so he finished his business as quickly as he could, and he got out of there so he could yell at him. But as soon as he turned the knob on the door, he heard a deep voice growl, Get out of there! This gave him pause. But not for long. He still thought it was one of his nephews, and he flung open the door so he could wring their necks. But no one was there. Actually, no one was in the house at all. And after that, though I actually never saw a tall man in the hall myself, to this day I'm reluctant to use the bathroom by myself if there's anything other than broad daylight out and the house is anything less than completely full of people. That's not to say that I haven't had my own experience with tall man. Though I'm not sure it was him because I didn't actually see anything. It was what I heard. You see, my daughter and I had a sleepover with Charlotte and her daughter, Maya. The girls bunked up in Maya's room, which was in the hallway. Specifically, Maya's room is the room that Charlotte first saw a tall man walk out of on the first day of the remodel. I'd made myself a bed on the couch in the living room. Now, the hallway leads down into the living room, and I was positioned on the couch so that my head was facing the end of that hallway. I'm not going to lie, I had my head covered with a blanket because, tall man, I was just dozing off when the girls decided it would be a good time to get up and get a snack from the kitchen. Their footsteps pitter-pattered right past my head. 
I pretended to be asleep so they wouldn't ask me to get up and make them a snack, as all moms know that kids love to do. Through my blanket, I saw the kitchen light flip on, heard the fridge open, and then I heard the girls giggle, giggle, giggle their way into the pantry. Long minutes ticked by, and the giggling grew louder and louder. In direct correlation, I was getting more and more annoyed with the girls. Finally, I decided to quit faking sleep, and I yelled at them to hush. Their giggling snapped off like a light switch, although the actual kitchen light did not. Several more long, silent moments passed, and I figured the girls must have gone back to their room. So I got up to turn off the kitchen light. And then I realized that I had not heard the girls walk back past me to their room. I definitely would have because they would have had to pass inches from my head to get there, just as I'd heard them pass inches from my head on their way to the kitchen. (sighs) So, with my eyes squeezed shut, I felt my way along the hallway walls and into their room, where I found the girls tucked in bed, deeply asleep in the dark. I kept my eyes screwed shut as I bolted back down the hall to the couch and furrowed under my blanket, leaving the kitchen light on all night, and I never slept alone in that house again. I don't know what was in the kitchen that night, but it was not our girls. This next encounter with Tom Ann is why I said earlier that one of the spirits might be that of a Mennonite man. This makes more sense when you take into account that there is a Mennonite community not far from the house. For those of you who don't know what a Mennonite is, it's similar to Amish, but with a few differences. They're an off-the-grid community with minimal contact to the outside world. They live almost entirely off the land, raising their own cattle and crops, and they supplement their income by processing meat for the local farmers. They also make the most excellent summer sausages, jalapeno cheese, and homemade gummy bears that you will ever taste. In addition to the main house, the property came with several outbuildings which are these long shotgun-shaped structures that are used for farming purposes. One year, my cousin got the idea to raise rabbits in them. Each rabbit family had their own hayfield stall, and they were so cute. Maya and her brother Jake loved showing them off. This is what they were doing when my daughter saw Tall Man outside. Or who she initially thought was Tall Man. Now, this was many years ago when my daughter, who's a few years older than her cousins, was also several inches taller than them. They were all standing in a stall, playing with the rabbits, when my daughter was suddenly overcome with an overpowering feeling of dread and the knowledge, the certain knowledge, that they were being watched. Her first thought, being the oldest kid watching the younger kids, was, Predator! So she looked up, ready to throw hands. Instead, at the end of the rows of stalls, she saw this impossibly long shadow of a man wearing a wide-brimmed hat. She described the brim as round and very big, like what the Mennonites wear, or possibly like that you'd see of an old-time Quaker or preacher. The image of a wide-brimmed Civil War officer's hat also came to mind. Personally, my mind conjured up the image of Isaac from Children of the Corn. If you don't know who I'm talking about, Google him and you'll see why I was spooked. Anyway, like I said, my daughter is ready to throw hands with this pervert until a few key things registered in her brain. First, aside from the hat, were the unnaturally long, long legs on this quote-unquote guy. My daughter's a pretty smart gal, and she understands how shadows are thrown. Specifically, that there needs to be a person standing there to throw one, which there was not. So it looked like an extremely tall shadow person was just standing there watching them. 
Now, the little kids could not see this because they're too short to peer over the stall walls, and my daughter did not want them to, as they lived there, and again, everyone was aware of Tall Man. We just didn't think that he existed outside of the main house. But my daughter was certain at this point that there was no pervert lurking there casting that shadow. There was simply no one else in the building. She kept her eyes on the shadow for so long that the little kids finally asked her what she was looking at. She'd turned away long enough to tell them that it was nothing, but when she looked back, the shadow was gone. Not long after the barn incident, Tall Man made his final appearance. It happened while Charlotte had a house full of company, and one of her neighbors was quite terrified, even though Tall Man didn't do much besides walk across the hall. Still, Charlotte had had enough of the constant undercurrent of unease that came with sharing her home with the ghost. So she did what any rational person would do. She got really ticked off and commanded out loud, in Jesus' name, that tall man leave right then and there and never return. And as soon as she uttered the last words of this command, the electric breaker box blew, plunging the house into total darkness. But it was daytime, so Charlotte simply reset the breaker box and went about her day. And tall man was never seen or heard from again. She even texted to tell me that it was safe to spend the night again because she told Tall Man to get lost. And it wasn't even that big of a deal because he wasn't even that tall anyway. Dude, I'm not scared of heights. The height of the ghosts in your house is not the issue. The issue is the ghosts in your house. (laughs) But as more time passed with no more Tall Man sightings, we all got a little more comfortable staying over. And a few years ago, Charlotte had a sweet pool installed with elaborate decking built all around it. And her house once again became a hot spot for family visits. And then, last summer, it happened. Charlotte was hosting a pool party when a family friend, Hunter, came into the house to use the bathroom. When he walked through the powder room door, he saw a very tall man standing in front of the shower. His back was turned to Hunter, and Hunter's first reaction was, Oh crap, I've walked into someone using the bathroom. And he quickly shut the door. But while he stood there, Alone in the powder room, he had two thoughts. First, he was pretty certain that he'd been able to see the shower curtain through the man's body. And second, the man had been wearing a large, wide-brimmed hat. Hunter, like everyone else who'd ever been to Charlotte's house, knew about Tall Man. He'd just never seen the fellow wearing a hat. So he slowly opened the door to the toilet, and of course, the man in the hat was gone. And that's where the story of Tall Man, or Tall Men, ends. Well, wait. That was where the story ended when I finished it last night. But I had to boot up the computer and add one last footnote when, the very next day, Charlotte and Maya arrived for a sleepover at my house. We were just sitting down to dinner when Maya sucked in a sharp breath and said, I just remembered a dream I had last night. It was the scariest dream I've ever had. Right away, I just knew, I just knew in the pit of my gut that she was going to tell me that she had a dream about Tall Man, and she did. Maya dreamed that she was sitting at the kitchen bar when she felt something scratching at her legs. She looked down and saw letters etched into her skin, but she couldn't make out what they said. So she ran down the hall and into the bathroom and flipped on the light and looked at her legs. Scratched into her legs, there was a name, but try as she might, she could not recall what it was. The message scratched into her flesh said that this person would kill her family. Try and try as she could, though, she could not make her eyes focus on the name. Then Maya felt a presence behind her. She looked up 
and into the bathroom mirror and saw a tall man standing behind her. He wore a black blazer, black dress pants, and a large, wide-brimmed hat. She began to scream, and then she woke up, and she forgot the whole thing until she saw me the next day. So this was a dream and not an actual tall man sighting, because tall man in the house doesn't wear a hat, and he doesn't show his face. That was the tall man from the outbuilding. So I hope it doesn't mean that the outside man with the wide-brimmed hat somehow found his way inside the house, especially after Charlotte told original tall man to leave. Perhaps he was the one who was protecting the home from the wide-brimmed hat man. Or maybe original tall man is just a bathroom hog and outside hat man's been waiting an eternity to go. In any case, it's been 15 whole years and none of the entities inside or outside of Charlotte's house have done anything harmful other than scare the crap out of her guests and family. Nothing's been broken save for maybe a couple of light bulbs when the breaker box blew. There's been nothing stolen, nothing moved, no injuries, no one really harmed. Just that knowledge that they're not alone. And it seems like everyone's coexisting peacefully. And I guess that's the most you can ask for when you live in a haunted house. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Thanks for listening. Your support means so much. It's everything. If you haven't already, please go follow us on Instagram at Oddity Podity Podcast. And if you want to be the most helpfulest, please go leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. And if there's something weird or creepy or strange that you'd like me to investigate and report back to you on, drop me an email at oddityPoddity at gmail.com. That's O-D-D-I-T-Y-P-O-D-D-I-T-Y at gmail.com. See y'all next time.